love you. We appreciate you. I want you to come tonight and just take your liberty, whatever you feel. God bless you, though. Praise the Lord. Well, this thing's already on. I didn't know if it was or not. I'm, I count it a great honor to be in this church tonight with you all. And uh, I give honor to your pastor. Amen. I've heard of, of uh, him for many, many years. And we're just now kind of getting acquainted. And uh, I'm so glad that I got acquainted with a man that has such a, uh, a burden and a desire for missions. And uh, we certainly... I'd love to have a man like that to come visit us, and uh, I appreciate so much you all taking us on and and uh, and helping us out. And uh, uh, that picture, uh, I was kind of hoping they'd just go ahead and take that first one I sent. You know, it's four months after we got married, we look a lot better. It might inspire you a little more than that old picture, but <laughs> uh, but anyway. Uh, we're so happy to be here tonight, and uh, I want to be a blessing to this church. Amen. It's not, uh, uh, you know, whenever your pastor comes to our place, he's going to be on our mission field. But right now, I'm on your mission field. Amen. And I desire to be a blessing to this church. Amen. And uh, if y'all are waiting for me to sing, I'm probably not going to sing. I don't know what y'all want me to do, but... But anyway, uh, you might want to, I thought we'd show some slides or just some pictures. And the reason is, is because, you know, when I was a kid and went to school, how many remembers those old report cards? Oh, I hated those things. When I was a kid, Mama would beat you to death if you didn't do good on them, you know. But uh, I'm happy to give a report card uh, because I, I went after this a whole lot more with a whole lot more uh, gusto than than I did at school. I didn't like school, but I like what I'm doing. Amen. I love what I'm doing. Amen. And uh, so, you know what? Uh, why don't y'all just go ahead and, and sit down. Just don't go to sleep. And, uh, amen. I'm kidding. Uh, but anyway, I might just tell you real quick. I want to go real quick. Just give you a little brief rundown. Originally, I'm from... Uh, I am from, uh, uh, I'm from Buford, Georgia. Anybody ever heard of Buford, Georgia? Brother Timothy Copeland uh, uh, was my pastor. He's not doing well now. But, uh, uh, but anyway, we started in 1994. We started the Spanish work in the church there in Buford. Uh, we got it up to somewhere around 120 or 30. And my call to Mexico that I felt way back in 1983 when my pastor, my other pastor in Texas took me to Mexico. Something got a hold of my heart. And uh, finally in 2013, we, uh, me and my pastor went. Uh, I was invited to go to Mexico. And we started, uh, uh, and you know what, baby, I, I didn't even think about it till now. Somehow or another, we've missed the picture of where we started in that house. Uh, in this group of, of slides, but that's okay. But we did start out. We okay. But we started out in. Uh, it's good to have my wife with me. By the way, we just celebrated forty five years. And uh, <clears throat> hallelujah! Somebody said that was the 
longest civil war in history, but uh, no, we, <laughs> I'm teasing. But I love to take my wife with me when I travel because she does all of the driving. All I have to do is sit there and hold that steering wheel. And, uh, <laughs> and she's my GPS, but anyway, <laughs> and my brake pedal. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, <laughs> you, you can relate to that? Wow. I, I felt like there's probably somebody else in this service that might. Anyway, uh, uh, where was I at? Oh, we're in Kansas. Anyway, uh, anyway, we uh, started the work in Oh, well, I done said that. Brother Copeland, he went with me in, uh, to Mexico in 2013. I felt like that that was uh, God's will. I was just going to go with br Brother Rocha. Anybody ever heard of Brother Rocha over in Tulsa, Oklahoma? He invited me to go. said there was a, a group of people down there, and he wanted to go and see just what it was. And uh, that they said they wanted somebody that preached the truth. Well, we went down there. And uh, to start off with, it was mostly just curious people. Uh, seemed to be just uh, just jumping here and jumping there. But when we started preaching, people started coming in off of the street and receiving the Holy Ghost. I kind of jumped ahead a little bit. I want to mention this because I believe it's important. Uh, but uh, my pastor, he, uh, uh, he really didn't want me going to Mexico. In fact, I told him about a year before that. I said, I'm not going nowhere without your approval because I believe in being submitted to a pastor. Amen. But the night before I was to go to Mexico, he decided to go with me, found the ticket, went with me, and I believe it was the will of God. And the first night, uh, we started preaching, got that microphone, a little bitty speaker, turned it all the way up where people out in the street could hear People was coming in off of the street getting the Holy Ghost. There was a couple of ladies one night up on the rooftop that came down and came inside and got the Holy Ghost. And before the week was over, to make the long story short, I became a missionary. Most unorthodox way I ever heard of to become a missionary. My pastor went back to Buford, Georgia. I stayed there for three months. And uh, oh, in those three months, the wonderful things that's happened and since then. And so... We just want to give you a little bit of a report card. Uh, we've been down there now for a little over nine uh, years. And uh, I don't know if y'all can see that picture okay, y'all. Uh, I don't guess we need no lights dim. There's a danger of them going to sleep maybe. Can y'all see it okay? <laughs> that's okay. If y'all can see it, that's no problem. Uh, but this was a uh, wonderful day to me. I was very happy. In that picture right there, uh, that was, we got there the 20th of February, and this was somewhere about the middle of March, and we had started in a house, and this old cantankerous man who owned the house was fixing to start charging rent, and he wouldn't give us but just a little bitty place to have church, and we were packed in there like sardines, and so we started walking all over that town, myself and an elderly man, looking, looking, looking for a place and praying, oh, God, help us. We'd find a place, and it was a junkie, and they wanted too much money, and we couldn't. They'd go from one place to the other. Nothing worked out. Nothing looked right. And all of a sudden, I came up to this place. Uh, somebody told us that was walking down the street, uh, told this old uh, uh, brother in the church we was looking for a place. And... Uh, 
and said, do you know of any place that we could rent? And he said, sure, just right there and right down the sidewalk from where this man lived, we saw a rent sign. I peeked in at that door and immediately I thought, yes, this is it. And uh, we had a few complications because there was a couple of, there was a couple of ladies that was trying to rent it before we could get to it. And we called for about two days. And uh, so finally, uh, it was a doctor and this man that, that was a brother in the church. He wasn't at that time. Later on, he was a brother in the church. We was walking around looking. His daughter uh, knew the owner of this building, that building. I'm looking at that picture. And you don't, but anyway, knew the, knew the owner of this building. And so she... Uh, she said, he's a doctor, I'll, I'll find him. And she went and was looking for him while she was looking for him. Well, his, uh, somebody said, that's his motorcycle down there. So, boy, I walked down there and uh, I found him. He said, oh, he said, I'm sorry, I've already rented it to two, these two ladies that lived across the street and is looking at us. And every time we'd go down there and try to call, call for about two days. And I said, oh, no. And I, I, I said, we've been trying to get a hold of you for two days. He said, I'm sorry, I've already rented it to these two ladies. And I turned around, and I just about started crying because I felt so strong about that place. And, but immediately I thought, oh, wait a minute, this ain't my first rodeo. Because you see, we had started a church in Norcross, Georgia. We, we started a church in, in Gainesville, Georgia. And the Lord provided a place, places for us to start churches. And as we outgrew one, the Lord provided another one. And so I thought, hey, if this is not the place, God's got a better place for us. And I walked down there, and this lady, uh, she that was the daughter, she uh, she said, uh, uh, she said, well, did you get it? I said, no, he's already rented it to those two ladies across the street. She said, you wait right here. She's one of them take charge kind of women. Y'all ever seen them kind? Boy, she just walked down there, and a little bit she came back. And she said, it's yours. I said, what? How'd you do that? She said, I walked down there and I told that doctor in front of those ladies. She said, these ladies go all over town renting places and they never pay rent. They still owe my daddy rent from years ago. And besides all of that, this man will give you six months rent in advance. I got it. <laughs> $150 a month. It was cheap and it was, anyway, I thought you might want to know that story, but uh, I'm going to try to talk fast and get through these pictures and just kind of show you what the Lord has done. Now, through those doors is the next picture. Next, next picture. Or is it hung up there? Yeah. <laughs> key, try the other key. <laughs> There's where we started right there. It was in that little garage. Me and my wife lived in that place where the lady in the in the in the red jacket there uh, blouse whatever it is uh, we uh, right there is a door we lived in that it was a house we made it a church and a house we lived there for almost six years the next picture I see that hand no back the other way all right now this is the backyard I, on that day I was so excited I climbed up on the roof and took a picture of the backyard uh, three months later, I went back to Buford, Georgia, and uh, Brother Copeland wanted me to show some pictures of the church and uh, of this to the church. And I said, can y'all see a church back there? And it was real quiet, about like right now. And I said, 
I can see a church in that backyard. And I'm here to tell you before the year was out, this was in March, by December, the 1st of December, ta-da, we had a church in the backyard. We outgrew the garage. I'm a concrete finisher. I've done concrete and welding. Uh, and so it came in handy. So the next picture, that's where we started in that garage. And, uh, that, and, and, and anyway, boy, there's a lot of stories I could tell you about that right there. But that's probably, that's probably about a month and a half into my three-month uh, trip there. And uh, then the next, the next picture, there's the church in the backyard. And this was our, I think this was our fifth year anniversary uh, conference, we call it. And, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> anyway, this was, uh, uh, anyway, we outgrew this. Let's go to the next picture and see what it is. That's just some uh, pictures of the altar service. Next picture. That lady right there, the man, wait a minute, the man in the blue shirt. He was one of my converts in Buford, Georgia, many, many years ago, probably back in 95, 96, somewhere along in there. And uh, thank you, Jesus, he got deported about four years ago to Mexico. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. Because, because of him and his wife, we started a church in Mexico City recently. And... Uh, that is his son over on this side, and that's his grandma. His grandma was 80-something years old, been baptized in Jesus' name. And that morning, she had told me, she said, I just can't get the Holy Ghost. And I told her, I said, yes, you can. I said, I said let's, you just need to have faith. God loves you. I encouraged you a little bit. I said, let's agree together you're going to get it tonight. Well, that was that evening service, and she's receiving the Holy Ghost right there. And she died about a year ago, but thank God she died right. Hallelujah. Amen. Next picture. They, this was where they fought dogs. They fought dogs in this thing. Bad stuff was going on there before we got there, but we turned it into a baptismal tank. Amen. Next, next picture. This is our Bible college. The man there in the kind of the black and white, the big guy over there. He was with the mafia, and uh, I took him with me on a trip, and while I was preaching, the phone was ringing, and uh, finally I told the guy, you better go out, it must be, and it just kept ringing, and so after service, he said, that was so-and-so, and said, you shouldn't have took that guy with you, I, I didn't ever know him before that day, and they said, he's with the mafia and with a cartel, and they could... He could call somebody and stop you on that. It was about an hour and a half away where we went from, from our church there. And, and he said they could kidnap you or cut you up into pieces. And mm, mm, you know how bad that scared me? It didn't because the man was already crying and repenting. And before we left those three services that we were having over there, he had received the Holy Ghost. He's like a son of mine. But anyway, that's some of our... Uh, students in the Bible Bible school. Okay, the next picture. That's just another shot of it. Okay, next picture. Now, uh, this is another shot of the of the uh, uh, the Bible school. The man in the blue over here uh, to 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 my left, 
and the man in the blue in the back of the picture are two of our capable and, and, uh, and qualified ministers. The one over to the right in the back of the picture has uh, been uh, filling in as pastor at our church in Guadalajara. And then this man uh, here, he's been working all over the place in several churches, including our brand new work in Mexico City. Doing a great job. They got beautiful, humble spirits. And uh, they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Next picture. This is an open air Bible study that we started right before I came out this last time. We've since had about two or three that's received the Holy Ghost in this open air Bible study. That's a Catholic church. I think it may be uh, that behind the wall or maybe over this way, but there's a Catholic church right there. And uh, one night I thought they was throwing stuff at us, but they said they think that something was falling out of the tree. I don't know, but it kind of scared me a little bit. But uh, I didn't stop. I just kept going. Because we have been shot at down there, by the way, but I'll, that's another story. Next picture. This is another open air. We've had very good luck with open air Bible studies. That's my assistant that's taking care of everything in the blue shirt. He received the Holy Ghost, uh, one of my converts in Buford, Georgia. There again, thank you, Jesus, for deportations. He got deported three years after I become a missionary, called me up and he said, can I please come to your house? I said, absolutely, get over here. And uh, he was already in the ministry and he's doing a very, very good job. Okay, next picture. That's him right there in the blue shirt. Uh, open air Bible study. Next, next picture. This was the, was the property uh, that we bought. Uh, the people where we were renting at, the church in the backyard, they was going to take the property back over. They said, we're going to need it back. Real nice people. And uh, he's a doctor, and I think they was going to make a clinic out of it. So we had to put it in high gear uh, to buy property and start building another church. So this is the beginning of it right here in the next picture. This is uh, pictures of the construction. This is the bottom floor. This is the auditorium. Okay, next picture. That's the front of it. That's my assistant waving at us up there. Next picture. Uh, this is another shot of it. That's my wife. She chose that because that's her up there on the top. <laughs> anyway, next picture. This is another shot of the entrance. The next picture. This is our platform. Uh, next picture. There again, concrete and welding kind of came in handy. This is the second floor. And that's me up there on the, on the top there. Anyway, uh, next picture. This is going to be mine and my wife's office. Uh, it's unfinished. That's about what it looks like right now. Okay, next picture. This is the upstairs walkway. And that's the front porch area. Next picture. And uh, just some shots of the construction. I'm going to tell you, I just feel like God gave me wisdom and how to build this thing. I just went out there and started stepping it off and measuring it off. We're going to make it this big, make it like this. I found some blocks like I wanted to build it out of. That porch just came to me one day, and I, I built that porch. And I just feel like that God gave me wisdom to, to build this thing because I'm not, I'm not really a builder. I can do concrete and welding. But anyway, okay, next picture. That's, that's our congregation. 
Next picture. Look what the Lord has done. Nine years. Nine years. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. The next picture is just another shot of our, this was our, uh, our anniversary conference that we had. Next picture. That, that's an elderly lady that got the Holy Ghost. Brother, I don't know if you know Brother Herrera uh, is there in the, uh, at the left of the praying for the lady. She is, he is uh, from Tulsa. Uh, <laughs> he preached our, our conference. And uh, the, the man that's behind the elderly lady there is from our church in Guadalajara. He was also a member of the cartel. They were threatening to kill him. But he convinced them, he managed to convince them that he was leaving them because he was giving his life to God. He was going to serve God and live for God. And he, one of them was saying, we're going to kill you anyway. And the other one said, no, we're not going to kill you. But if you ever come back uh, to this place, uh, state where his mama lives, we're going to kill you. Well, he's made several trips back to see his mama. He's still alive, but uh, living for God. He helps us out a little bit in our church in Guadalajara. Okay, next picture. And this is just some altar pictures. Next picture. Next picture. That lady right there in the wheelchair. She's from Mexico City. She couldn't even talk. She had an aneurysm on the brain. And uh, they started bringing her to church. The man to the left there knelt down was her husband. I understand they had divorced, but he, he's been, he's a very kind man, and he's been kind to her, and I just couldn't figure all of this out. He's so nice to her, but they divorced, and, and he was helping bring her, and he was like a cold potato in church, and he was just there, seemed like, to kind of help her out. Well, first of all, we baptized her in Jesus' name, and she got the Holy Ghost, and we could tell she was speaking in tongues. And to tell you the truth, we've been praying for her, and she can talk now to the point to where we can understand what she's saying. And she was confined to the wheelchair, and they told us here a while back that she went up the stairs in her house by herself. So we're just believing God to, to heal her. Well, and that's her husband or ex-husband, I don't know which, but he was crying there and repenting, and he got the Holy Ghost. We baptized him in Jesus' name. <coughs> Amen. And uh, so things are improving in their family. Okay, next picture. That's a lady that got the Holy Ghost. She is a, as American as she can be, living in Mexico. Uh, she had a cousin in Wichita, Kansas, talking to her, witnessing to her, and then they gave me her number, and I started talking with her, got her to our conference, and she got baptized in Jesus' name, received the Holy Ghost. She is, we, we, we were at the church there in Wichita, Brother Dudley's church, and I looked in the congregation, I said, that must be a twin sister, and I found out, no, it was her, and so she's come out of Mexico, and, and uh, at least for a little bit, she's going to church there. Okay, next picture. This is my assistant's mother, and that's her grandson. Next picture. Okay, just some shots. Next picture. 
the altar service, next picture. Now, this is our upstairs uh, fellowship hall. It's not finished. We don't have windows or doors on none of this. A lot of things that we still lack, but we're using it anyway. Next picture. And next picture. That's another picture. Next picture. These are vans that we use. We don't have a personal vehicle because if I want to go somewhere, I'll just go in the church van because there's so many people that needs rides to church and we want to get people to church. Next picture. That's just another picture of our vans. That's our bus there. Next picture. Uh, this is a, now these are some daughter works. Uh, has anybody ever heard of Acapulco? Okay, well, that's not Acapulco, but it's close to it. It's up in the mountains about 45 minutes to an hour. And uh, this man also, he's a brother to my assistant, and uh, he uh, left Buford and went to start a church there. That's his house, and below that floor is his church. Next picture, that's his church up underneath his house. Okay, next picture. Uh, this is our church in Guadalajara. Uh, next picture. This is the inside of it. Next picture. That little girl just a few months ago got the Holy Ghost. I think she's 11 years old. And that's her grandma that is behind her. She got the Holy Ghost uh, in, our, uh, in our conference. And uh, Okay, next picture. This is uh, another shot of our Guadalajara church. It's, 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 uh, there's some of them that's old and some recent pictures. But anyway, next picture. Uh, that's a gazebo. They're in Guadalajara where we had some services. We had people that uh, repented. We even had some people that received the Holy Ghost there and uh, found out that it was very, very, very dangerous there. The cartels all over the place, they said. And some guy came up and said, what are y'all doing here? You've got to get out of here. No, we didn't pay no attention to that, but not much. Anyway, <laughs> next picture. <laughs> That's just another shot of it. Next picture. This is a church in a place called Uridia. And uh, uh, one night when I showed this, somebody after church said, what you say the name of that place is, you idiot? I said, no, Uridia. <laughs> Uridia. It almost sounds like that, don't it? Now you won't forget how to. Anyway, so we were looking for a place to have Bible study in this city, in Uridia, Guanajuato. And everything was real expensive. And uh, it was small, but real expensive. And we were leaving town and saw a sign on the door for rent. We called. We stepped in through that little door, thinking it was just going to be a little cubby hole to start a Bible uh, Bible uh, studies. Anyway, go in the next picture. This is the inside of it. And I said, mm, no, this is way too big. Is there going to be a lot of money? Uh, anyway, out of kindness, I asked the man. I said, how much? And it was $150 a month. I said, it ain't too big. So we went ahead and took it because everything else is much more than that. And uh, anyway, next picture. Now these are, that's not all members of this church. We, it's close enough that we bring our, our members from the home church there to try to get this. Uh, so I'm not trying to uh, blow nobody's mind here or anything. We're trying to, this is still a church uh, that's, that's a work. It's a work in progress. Okay? All right. Next picture. Now, this is a church in a place called uh, Awakaliente Michoacan, about an hour and a half from us. Uh, 
the man this the man that was is over this work was probably the first one that ever came to our church in Buford, Georgia, uh, Hispanics. And uh, anyway, we built this little church. Next picture. That's another picture of it. Next picture. And uh, my trumpet shrunk. But anyway, <laughs> they call that a pocket trumpet. Anyway, the man in the white pants there, that's, he was probably the, him and maybe two others, was the first man that came to our church in Beaver, Georgia, and from there started the Spanish work. That's his dad uh, there with a guitar. He's since died, and he used to play with a mari mariachi band and uh, years ago. Okay, next picture. And that's my pastor in the center, Brother Copeland. That was probably uh, maybe the last time he ever preached. He did preach there. Okay, next picture. This is our church in Mexico City. It's actually called Ixtapaluca. It's, it's just a suburb. Uh, Mexico City is made up of many, many suburbs. I think it's 20-some-odd it's million people there. I've heard 24, 25, 26, 28 million. I don't know. I can't count that high. But anyway, it's a lot of people. And this is our new church. We haven't even got a, a sign up yet. We started there in February. <coughs> Next picture. That's the inside of it. Next picture. That's just another shot of it. Now, I think that's the last one, isn't it? No, there's another one. Okay. There's the man in the standing up in the white shirt that got deported uh, that helped us get that started there. He's been bringing a lot of people to church. He'd get up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and load his van up and bring people all the way about three, three and a half, about three and a half hours to our church, uh, our home church. And so he had done this for quite a while, and uh, people was getting Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name. So we finally decided uh, to start a church there. But anyway, is that the last one? I think it is. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, anyway, so that's, 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 that's my story, <laughs> and it's still going, <laughs> and I wish I was there right now, and uh, and I'm coughing a little bit, but I can assure you it's not the, it's, it's not the, the COVID, it's uh, equine encephalomyelitis profundus infectation, but anyway, no, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's not COVID, I, I can tell you that, it's just, uh, anyway, hallelujah, we really we really desire to be back in Mexico. I wish I was there right now. I love, uh, I love what we're doing. I thank God that he's allowed us to be a part of his great kingdom. Amen. Baby, what time is it? 8.35, so I have three hours left. I mean, 30 minutes left. <laughs> well, we had service in Mexico one night recently, right before we came out. That lasted till my wife said ten thirty at night. Is is that okay if we go that long here tonight? No, I'm teasing. I'm not going to do that. But we did have a powerful service. Three people got the Holy Ghost. They worshipped and praised the Lord. It wasn't something that I did. It was just God did it. And and I had to finally just shut it down because there's people that needed to go home on the bus, and so we had to, you know, we have to. We have to kind of shut it down together because people don't have their own cars. And uh, 
but we had uh, one man, in particular one of our ministers that got on that bus, still speaking in tongues. And uh, just, it was a powerful, powerful service. Amen. But I do have a thought tonight. I don't want to hold you too long, but I do have a thought, if you would allow me. Amen. I want to go to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah, ooh, thanks for that light. I have glasses to see you with, and then I've got some to read with. I don't like bifocals. Uh, but I want to go to Isaiah chapter 55, and I'm going to start reading at verse 1. <coughs> Hallelujah. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye by and eat. Yea, come by wine and milk without money and without price. Do you think that the Bible here is telling us uh, that we need to make our churches a, a food bank and uh, maybe keep a little wine in the back? No, we're going to see that it's absolutely talking about something for the soul. Amen. Because in verse 2 it says, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. And let your soul, not your belly, but your soul, delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. Amen. In other words, why are you spending your whole life? You're spending the units of your life. Not necessarily money. But people work for that. So they can get a bigger house and a better car. So that they can get more land. And they can get uh, more vacations. And they spend their life maybe getting more beer to drink. Or getting some more drugs to do. And they spend their whole life. Spending their life for things that will never, ever, ever satisfy the soul. The Lord has something that will satisfy your soul tonight. That's the purpose of this building. That's the purpose of its existence. That's the purpose that there's a pastor here that preaches the gospel. Because God sees the hungry soul. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I want to read now from uh, uh, John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus, now that was a religious feast. Religious feast. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out, he that believeth on me, as we got to believe on him according to scripture. Not just believe he existed. He's not talking about just believe that I really am here. Amen. Not, not just believe that he existed and he really did not know. You got to believe on him according to scripture. Amen. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, 
because that Jesus was not yet glorified. That living water that he was talking about, he was referring to it as a fountain of living water. And it was him. I want to talk to you tonight from this subject. You just need a great big drink of Jesus. I'm going to tell you that's what we all need is just a big drink of Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to every heart. Open every heart and mind to your scriptures, Lord. I pray that you'd fill somebody with the Holy Ghost tonight, Jesus. We love you. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. the name of the Lord you may be seated amen Ecclesiastes 6 and 7 says all the labor of man is for his mouth and yet the appetite is not filled and what that's talking about really is is that you can take uh, an old cow or a horse and you can give him all of the feed and the hay he can eat and, and, and put a little barn over his head. And he's satisfied. He's satisfied and he don't need nothing else. But you can take a human being and you can give him the best house and all of the best food and nice cars and pretty girls and plenty of... And he's still not satisfied because... That man was created in the image of God and God put a soul in man. God put eternity in man. That's the reason why rich people commit suicide. That's the reason why people that, that looks like they have the world by the tail, they wind up and uh, going crazy and killing themselves. Why? Because nothing of this world can ever satisfy the soul. Hallelujah. Well, how do you know? I know from experience. That's how I know. Hallelujah. My mama, uh, for instance, was seeking, uh, she was seeking uh, worldly fame. My mom and dad was involved in country music. And my mama was on her way. She had a contract with a recording studio. She was a very good, still a very good singer. Hallelujah. But the dream just kept crumbling before her. And before I was born, she had already been to a mental hospital. And because of this world, and it couldn't satisfy, and all of its disappointments, she was on her way again. She was on her way again to a mental hospital. I remember the night before we found a Pentecost church like this. That my, Well, we had lots of religion. We went to church every Sunday morning, and it was dead as a hammer. Amen. And it was just religious uh, practices, you know. Uh, just, just religion. That's all that it was. My grandpa would go to sleep on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. You'd go in there the same way and leave the same way or worse. <coughs> Amen. And so, and so I remember the night that my daddy was slapping my mama, not because my daddy ever beat up on my mama, but she was crying hysterically. She was crying hysterically, and my daddy was desperately trying to get, to get her back uh, in her right mind. Hallelujah. But thank God, thank God that right before she had to go back to that mental hospital, somebody invited us to a Pentecost church. The second time we went, my mama ran to the altar. The pastor laid his hands on her, and she began to jump up and down, speaking in other tongues. My mama's still alive tonight. She never went to 
to a mental hospital. She still got the joy of the Holy Ghost. She found something to drink that satisfies the soul. And it's Jesus. It's the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So, and I was going through some of the same thing. My religion let me down. I never would have dreamed it would have been outside of my religion. I went to church and I, I, I started walking the aisle every, uh, just, just ever, ever so often. Going down and rededicating my life. That's all I knew to do. And, well, and I even got to the point where I was crying. Because I was desperately looking for something that would change me. During that same period of time, I'd shut myself up in the bedroom and, and put my face down into the mattress, weeping and crying like never before and crying out to Jesus if there's something else that I lack, if there's something else i got to do to be saved, show it to me. I never dreamed it would be outside of that religious church I was raised in, but it was. I found the Holy Ghost. I found a preacher that preaches Acts 2.38. I found a preacher that preaches the new birth experience like it's supposed to be in the Bible. Hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, they say that the body is about 75 or 80% water. And without it, one will die within about three days, maybe four, depending on the conditions, I guess. In this heat, you probably wouldn't even make three days. But there's signs of, of the body's thirst. Dry mouth, weakness, desperation. You become faint. I remember doing concrete work and not having a, that concrete getting hard so fast. I didn't have a chance to get a drink. And I'd start feeling tingly back here and feeling like I couldn't hardly, I couldn't hardly go. And I, but I couldn't stop or I was just going to lose that concrete that we had poured and, and I remember feeling the desperation and, and how that I needed a drink of water. And then finally when you'd get done, just turn a water hose on uh, somewhere and just drink and drink and drink. But I'm not here to talk about the body's thirst tonight. I'm, talk, I'm here to talk about the soul's thirst. And there is indications of the soul's thirst. There are signs of soul's thirst also. Hallelujah. Oh yeah. Oh yes. There's a, a discontentment. It's got its symptoms. And we can see it in our world today. Discontentment. Nothing of this world satisfies. Anxiety. Fear. Depression. Man, we're seeing a lot of people having to take some kind of drug for depression. I'm here tonight to preach about something that will cure depression. I'll tell you what it is. It's that soul thirsting for something that's real. And if you'll drink of Jesus, it'll make that stuff go away. He'll give you beauty for ashes. He'll give you joy for the spirit of heaviness. Hallelujah. He'll put a shout in your steps. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said he would, he, the, he came, the Spirit of the Lord, he said, uh, Jesus, they gave him the, the law the, from Isaiah. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach. Amen. And it would bring all of these wonderful things, peace and joy. Give you the spirit of joy for the spirit, or give you joy for the spirit of heaviness and in place of ashes, give you purpose for your life and what have you. Well, it's the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The soul is thirsting. And the thirst of the soul can even lead to mental disorders, anger, violence, 
Amen. Amen. But you know, man is so easily distracted. That's right. Whenever you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and especially John, he's talking about the comforter over and over. And he says, I'm with you now, but I'm going to be in you. Amen. We can read in, 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 uh, in John where Jesus went to see a woman at the, at, the, at the well, the Samaritan woman. She wasn't even a Jew. They didn't even, the door wasn't even open to Samaritans yet. But you know what? Jesus in his great love saw that woman from a long way off and said, I've got to go to Samaria. And the disciples, you know, well, what are you going to Samaria for? You know, I can imagine they were thinking, well, maybe is there 5,000 over there that needs fishes and bread? Or is there a big seminar going on? Or uh, do you, there must be a, a, a big conference going on over there. No, there was one. You hear me? One woman. Just one woman. And Jesus saw her from a long way off. He saw the hurt and the disappointment. He saw the nights of crying and weeping and searching for something that was real. There could be just one person here tonight. And Jesus has found you. He knows how to find you. He knows how to reach the hurting. He knows how to find the thirsty. Oh, yes, he does. He still uses preachers. Hallelujah. And whenever he got there, the first thing you find is them talking about the water. Amen. That fountain of living water. She thought she, he was talking about that well. And he said, know that the water I'd give to you is a, is a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Hallelujah. And then she started saying, "Woo, give me this water. <clears throat> and that's funny. He said, he didn't say, okay, here it is. Well, actually, the Holy Ghost is not yet given yet. Huh? you got to rightly divide the word of truth. The Holy Ghost wasn't, wasn't, didn't come yet because Jesus first had to die on the cross. He had to be buried. He had to be resurrected. And he said, it's expedient for you that I go away because if I go not away, I can't send the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Ghost, the Comforter. <clears throat> now, this is Bible. And you know what? The scriptures will make you wise unto salvation. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Amen. I'm telling you, there's, there's people all over this place that's saturated with religion. And religion will not cure you from depression and addictions. What I'm preaching about tonight, it, 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 it's the cure-all. Oh yes, it's everything you need. Well, do we believe that? Hallelujah, it's everything. That's why we're saying, he's everything, he's everything to me. What are we talking about? The Holy Ghost that we received is everything that we need. <laughs> but Jesus said, go call your husband. Said, mm, uh -oh. I ain't got no husband, that's right. You've had five and the one you got now ain't your husband. You're just living with him. You want this water? Jesus didn't go over there to beat her up, but she had to repent. You know, somebody's got to turn the lights on. Somebody's got to take the light of the Word of God and show you where you're at. If you want this fountain of living water, you just simply got to repent. You got to get out of the sinning business. Amen. And then another thing, they got a little confrontation there. And she said, 
our fathers say that we're to worship in this mountain and you guys say down there in Jerusalem. So there's a big difference in our religion. I don't believe like you. But Jesus said, you worship, you know not what. Oh, yeah. Jesus wasn't trying to offend her and beat her down and tell her she wasn't worth nothing. But you know what? If you're going to drink of this water, you've got to come to the knowledge of the truth. You've got to understand that if you're going to get this water, you've got to obey Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now that's where the first church started. <laughs> Maybe I need to just walk down that road a little bit because Jesus did. He said, you worship, you know not what, because salvation is of the Jews. You want this water? you got to come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. The first church didn't start in Rome. It was Jesus said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. All of the prophets prophesied that this water flowing out from the temple, talking about the Holy Ghost, it would start in Jerusalem. It ain't going to start in Rome. Probably 99% of the churches in this area has inspired their mama's Rome. The apostle said, our mother, Jerusalem is our mother. It, it, Jerusalem's our mother. That's why we preach what, that's why we preach what Jerusalem preached. Anybody here believe in evolution? <laughs> Almost got him. <laughs> He didn't let me finish my sentence. <laughs> so y'all don't believe that man came from monkey. No. The Bible talks about that creation. This is real important. The Bible talks about that creation testifies of him. How's that testifying? Well, when you see a pregnant cow, don't think, huh, I just wonder if goat's going to come out this time. No, because creation testifies that because creation don't change, God don't change. And when God created day and night, it's nighttime. Huh, duh, we knew that was going to happen. It's been going on for who knows how long, right? Saying God don't change, that's what it's saying. Whenever you see, whenever you see a, a giraffe that's pregnant, you think, I wonder if it's going to be an elephant this time. No. Because God created giraffes to produce giraffes and elephants to produce elephants. Whenever you see a lady that's pregnant, you don't have to wonder if it's a monkey coming. They may act like a monkey, but they're not going to be a monkey. And that's testifying that God doesn't change. Now, Jesus, now that may be a little bit funny, but let me tell you something. Jesus told Nicodemus, and this goes for everybody that exists on the face of the earth. If you're going to go and you're going to get in God's kingdom in his church, you've got to be born of the water and of the spirit. Now religion says just accept the Lord, just believe he existed, you know, and follow me through a religious prayer or something like this, and, and, and you're born. No, the Bible's specific. You must be born of the water, and you must be born of the Spirit. 
Well, how do you figure out? I mean, why do we know what he's talking about there? Well, you go to the first church. Because the first church in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost is right where the first church was born. And that's where man become a new creature. That's where man was born again. Now, if God doesn't change and his word don't change, the way a man was born again on the day of Pentecost is exactly, precisely the same way today. Well, you believe the way you want to, and I believe the way I want to. Well, you ain't never going to get this fountain of living water then. Hope you don't mind chewing on no dry, dusty religion. Hope you don't mind trying to satisfy your soul with doctrines of men. What I'm preaching tonight is the same thing the apostles preached. And if God don't change, His Word don't change. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Word will never, never pass away. And that church He established on the day of Pentecost. Uh, okay, when He created all of those animals, we know that they reproduce after their kind. Whenever he created his church and men was born again. Oh, now, it, it, we're born again different now. That's for them. You know, back then, it was a little strange. It's a little different now. No, it is not. No, it is not. you got to come to the knowledge of the truth. It is not any different because God don't change. That that Peter preached on that first day, that the first time the Spirit of God was poured out and they all began to speak in other tongues. I don't know why I'm on this. It ain't even my notes. But whenever you, you got a little baby, the, the, Jesus went on to say, the wind bloweth where it listeth. And you hear the sound thereof. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going, but you hear the sound. So is every man that's born of the Spirit. You know? Oh, the wind's blowing. How do you know? Well, you hear that noise? And, and, and you see those. Oh, you can see the wind? No, but look at those leaves. It's making a noise. Huh? Whenever a little baby is born and it's just sitting there looking at you. Huh? Are you hearing me tonight? When a little baby is born and it's just sitting there looking at you real sweetly like, oh, doctor, code blue, code blue, oh, doctor. It's a dead baby. Until, unless that doctor can pound him on that backside and ah, thank God that's the sound of life and I'm going to tell you on the day of Pentecost when they began to speak in other tongues that's the sound that's the sound of somebody being born again of the spirit oh hallelujah hallelujah now I preach this in Mexico and people get the Holy Ghost because it's a truth it's a word of God all of these, all of these televangelists and all of these big mega churches that's impacting our world and causing people to accept these other doctrines. And I'm going to tell you it was the same way in Jesus' day. Whenever he was born, he didn't come to add to religion. 
this is another religion that we're going to add to all your religions. It's okay to have yours and I got mine. No, he came to a very religious world and it was religion that took him and crucified him. It was a high priest. It was the priest. It was the Pharisees. It was the scribes and Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were so sad, you see. All of these religious sects that came together and said, Crucify him! Crucify him! It's nothing new. The truth, the truth has always been attacked by religion. It started way back in the days of Cain and Abel. Cain got mad because his church wasn't accepted by God. His religious practices just wasn't accepted by God. That's right. So he killed Abel, righteous Abel. Abel obeyed the plan. I'm telling you, we're hated. You want to know why I'm probably here? Is it, well, not probably. It's because somebody in Mexico hates us. Religion hates us. If they if they could, it'd, we've already been shot at. Ta, 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 ta. Oh yeah. Thank God he turned the bullets. Whew. Well, I'm telling you the truth. We're hated. Ain't nothing no different. Jesus said, you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Hey, you can start talking to somebody and, and oh, I go, to, I go to such and such church down here. Well, I go to Brother Regan's church and they baptize in Jesus' name. We don't baptize in Jesus' name. And you keep talking to them and you're going to get some hackles stood up. Because there's a spirit that goes along with the religion. They may not do it exactly like this one or that one. But in some way or another, they're going to slam the door in your face. Uh-huh. Jesus told those, those, those religious leaders in Matthew 23, I think it is. Woe unto you, you scribes and hypocrites. Who's he talking to? The gangsters? The dope smokers? No, he was talking to religious leaders. If he was alive today, he'd be saying, Woe unto you, you, you televangelists and computer preachers. Woe unto you, you denominal preachers. And probably woe unto you, some of you apostolic Pentecostal preachers. Ooh. And a lot of them are straying today. He said, you... You, you don't go in at the gate, at the, at the door. And those that would go in, you keep them from going in. How? By preaching your doctrines. Tell, oh, it's not necessary to be baptized in Jesus' name. He's shutting up the kingdom of heaven against you. That's what Jesus told. These religious people were shutting up the kingdom of heaven against men. Oh, you don't have to speak in tongues to get the Holy Ghost. You know what that preacher's doing? He's standing at the door. Who is the door? It's Jesus. Who got the keys to the door? Peter did. And Peter preached, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That'll open the door, and you can go into the kingdom of heaven. That's salvation. But man is so distracted. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can just find, <coughs> you, can, you can find where Jesus is constantly, yes ma'am, thank you. Can you give me ten more? She's my stopwatcher. <laughs> but where was that? 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, you got to rightly divide that. There wasn't no church in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It didn't get there till Acts. Well, the thief on the cross, he died before a church was established. He died before the New Testament and the New, the new Covenant came into being. They were still living under the old law. No, 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 no. It says New Testament. That's right. Writing started there, but the law, the, 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 the covenant, the covenant could not come into being until Jesus died and shed his blood and was buried and resurrected. By the way, that's the gospel. You want to, you want to, you, you, we know, the whole world knows you got to obey the gospel to be saved. Well, the thief on the cross died before the gospel came into power. I'm trying to help somebody get to the truth here today. The book of Acts was all bought and paid for by the death of Jesus, his burial and resurrection. Resurrection. And that's why he kept saying, that's why he kept talking about this comforter that's going to come. He was talking about the Holy Ghost. Rest. All you that are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. What was he talking about? He wasn't talking about Saturday. He was talking about the Holy Ghost. Whenever you receive the Holy Ghost, it's not Saturday anymore. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's every day of the week because you're entered into the rest of the Lord. It's a rest for your soul. He kept talking about a fountain of living water. What was he talking about? He was talking about the Holy Ghost. He was talking about the Comforter. He kept telling them, tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued for, for, uh, with power from on high. But man so typically, so typically is distracted. So when you get to Acts chapter 1, and, and it's right before Jesus ascends into heaven. Acts chapter 1 and verse 5, Jesus is still talking about the Holy Ghost. And then these guys are looking around. And they said, Would you, are you going to restore Jerusalem, uh, the nation of Israel at this time? Are you going to, re you know, the church is in bad repair and, they, and these Romans are driving us crazy. Why don't you get, is this the time you're going to get rid of them dudes so we can have, you know, some peace of mind around here? And I mean, we just got some problems on top of problems. Hey, are, uh, Jesus, are you going to fix all? That ain't why he came. He didn't come to give you a better job and a prettier car. Like these prosperity preachers are talking about. Woo! You're going to have a check in the mail. Hey, you, say, you seek you first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness and all of these other things will be added to. You. And you probably ain't going to get rich. Because we're rich in other ways. We're rich in eternal life and joy and peace. We can go to sleep at night. Hallelujah. We know that he's with us. Jesus didn't come to make everybody rich. Anyway, they're thinking about material things. Jesus, he said, and Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and the season. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's like he had to re-grab their, refocus them. He had to get their attention. It's not about this world. It's not about the things you see. There's a spiritual and powerful kingdom that I've come to bleed and die for. And it's going to start in Jerusalem. Now, if you think a profession of faith is good enough, let's look at Peter. Who do you say that I am? Oh, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Oh, oh Jesus has got it then. Oh, really? 
He made another confession. That night of the Last Supper, I'm going to follow you even unto death. Jesus said, no, you ain't. Why did Jesus say, when thou art converted, feed my sheep? What? You mean to tell me I'm not converted? I've been walking with you three and a half years and I still ain't converted. Nope. Because you've got to get the power of the Holy Ghost. You ain't born again yet. Why? Yeah, you've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. And that can't happen when you're born of the water. You're baptized in Jesus' name. Well, why, didn't they, why didn't John the Baptist baptize in Jesus' name? Well, because being baptized in Jesus' name, the Bible teaches us that we're buried with him in baptism. When John was preaching, Jesus hadn't died yet. The blood wasn't shed. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, the blood is applied. It washes the sins away. If you don't believe that, listen to Paul and his testimony. Ananias asked him, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Calling on the name of the Lord, washing thy sins away. It's not to show the world you don't accept Jesus. It is for the washing away of the sins that you have already repented of. Now, where was I at? I didn't forgot where I was at. Anyway, Peter in his confession, Jesus said, no, you're not. You're not going to follow me unto death. You're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. And the other disciples, us too, we're going to follow you even unto death. Uh -uh. You're all going to abandon me this night. Why? Why? Because you're not born again yet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you made your confession, and that's great, but it don't save you. And so whenever they came and got Jesus and bound him up, and they're, they're beating him, and they're plucking his beard, and they're screaming, crucify him. Where's Peter? He's hiding out, because he knows he's one of them. And if they find me, they're probably going to do me the same way. Hey, you're one of his disciples. Uh-uh. Hey, you're one of his disciples. Uh-uh. And somebody said, you're one of his disciples because you, the way you talk. And he cursed and said, I tell you, I know not him. <laughs> so much for your confession. But now on the day of Pentecost, it's a holy and totally different deal. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And whenever he is preaching, he said, This same Jesus whom ye have crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. What does that mean? That means he was both humanity and deity. Lord speaks of deity. Christ speaks of humanity. He was both. When you see me, you've seen the Father. To wit, God was in Christ reconciling, reconciling the world into himself. Wasn't a second person like Rome says. Jerusalem is our mother. Hallelujah, that's another subject. But anyway, but after the day of Pentecost, Peter was a brand new creature. He wasn't scared of those that crucified Jesus. He was preaching to thousands of them that time. And he wasn't, I don't want to offend anybody. I hope you don't kill me or nothing. No, he, he found a power. And then he gave his life. History says they crucified him upside down. What made the difference? The new birth. What made the difference? The power of the Holy Ghost. But man is so easily distracted. Man has always taken God's true salvation plan 
and turned it into religion. To the point to where Jesus, when he came to his country, when he came to his own, and his own didn't receive him. Are you listening to me tonight? He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But those that did receive him, ah, ha, ha, look at there. Those that received Christ, I received him. Now, wait a minute, finish it up. He gave them power to become sons of God. Where does the power come from? The Holy Ghost. And if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But if that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, it shall also quicken your mortal body. I'm going to tell you all of the confessions and all of the religious practices ain't ever going to do it. I tried it, but you received the power of the Holy Ghost. It's going to take you out of here when Jesus comes. It's going to satisfy your soul. He gives you power to overcome depression and oppression. and <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. And so, what was I fixing to say? Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. People spend their life at, oh, this is what I was going to say, and I'm going to I'm gonna try to end up. But you know what a preacher tries to do? He tries to persuade real preachers too. I'm not trying to persuade you to my religion. I'm trying to persuade you to the word of God. Because you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's the gospel when it's obeyed and understood that will make a new creature out of you. Not some so-called Christian with a license to sin. That's not a Christian. A Christian is one that has identified themselves by, with Jesus by dying out to the old man that he was. That's what these altars are about, is to die. Maybe you was a, uh, a, a depressed person, an oppressed person. Maybe you was an alcoholic. Maybe you was a drug addict. Maybe you was a fornicator. Maybe you was a rock and roller. Maybe you liked to smoke a little weed. Maybe you was hooked on something. But whenever you come to an altar, you die out to that old guy. That's what I tell in Mexico. You can't be a Mexican and be saved. Well, that's right. Mexicans like to drink the Coronas, you know, and dance on the table and boom, 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 and get them two or three girls and go, you know. You can't be a Mexican. You can't be an American and be saved. You got, the Bible says it's not a Jew that's one outwardly. It's one that's inwardly. Circumcision, circumcision is not of the flesh a religious practice, but it's circumcision of the heart when you're buried with him in baptism. You become circumcised in the heart. It starts in here. And that's what makes you a Jew. And when you get to heaven and you say, oh, I had a bunch of religion and I did a bunch of wonderful things. And, and we rose people from the dead. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. But if you get up there and, and, and you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, he's going to say, you got my name. Where'd you get it from? Baptism in Jesus' name. And you got my blood. Where did that come from? Baptism in Jesus' name. And you got my spirit. That's the spirit of adoption. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of adoption. You got my name, you got my blood, and you got my spirit. You're mine. Come on in. All of the religion in the world ain't going to do that for you. That's why Jesus stood on that religious feast day. You know, religion. 
Man has constantly turned God's way into religion. I can just imagine. I did a little bit of studying. I don't know how accurate it is. But I've heard, I've, I've read where that religious feast, they were commemorating uh, Moses striking a rock and water coming out of it. Now you correct me, maybe you could tell me, I don't know, but I read it somewhere. And so they were commemorating by taking buckets of water and pouring it on a rock. And so I can see in my mind's eye, because this is the way I used to be with my religion. Dun, 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 dun. With your bucket of water. Where are you going? To a religious feast. Why? I don't know. Mom and daddy did it and grandma and grandpa. What you going to get out of it? I don't know. Or you go to church empty, you leave empty. You poured your water out. And I believe Jesus was at that religious feast. And he could see beyond what any other man could see. And he saw the empty hearts. He saw the thirsty souls. He saw people that was searching for something that was real. Something that was genuine. Something that would change their life. Something that would change their heart and their spirit. And give them joy and deliver them from sin. And Jesus could see that. And he didn't get up and say, <clears throat> I hope I don't scare anybody here tonight. The Bible says he lifted up his voice. That means he lifted it up. And he said, He that is a thirst." Come unto me. If any man thirsts, come unto me and drink. He saw the thirsty souls and religion was trying to, couldn't satisfy. If any man thirsts, come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me as the scriptures. I just preach scriptures to you tonight. Hallelujah. Acts 2.38. It'll put that water in you. He that believeth on me as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I'm going to tell you, he was moved with compassion just like he is tonight. People that's been disappointed with religion. People that turned maybe even this church into just religion. You're just here. You're just here. In, in Mexico, they say, como estas? Aquí no mas. That means I'm just here. I'm just here. You need to be more than just here. You need to be drinking. That's why the pastor was trying to get, hey, come on. We're in church tonight. We all ought to be drinking. Sometimes the Sunday school teacher gets a little cranky. She just needs another drink. Another drink of Jesus. Sometimes the usher, he gets a little dry as a powder house. What does he need? He needs a big drink of Jesus. That's what he needs. He needs to get a drink of Jesus. You need to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. The Bible teaches us we're not saved by works which you have done, but by his mercy. Thank God for his mercy. And by the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's the only thing that's going to save you. That's the only thing that's going to save me. We need to keep drinking. Because here we are again. we got a world plumb full, chock full of all kinds of religion. And nobody's the better for it. In Mexico, those that goes to religion practice witchcraft. They're possessed with devils. They're addicted to alcohol and drugs. They beat up their wives. They don't marry them. They run around. they got three or four, five, six, eight other girlfriends. In the name of their religion. That's right. And they ain't nothing better. They're worse because 
They just like Jesus said, you make them twofold a child of hell that you are. Because they, they got them convinced that they're okay. Just put a little offering in the thing and confess your sins. And here's a little holy water. And they go on sinning and they get worse. And the really bad ones, it kills people. The cartels down there. Their religion tells them if you'll worship the, the holy dead. Santa, la Santa Muerte. Alguien aquí habla español? La Santa Muerte, the holy dead. You worship this one, this, this one right here. She'll forgive you of all of your sins. No matter what you do, you just keep being faithful to her and you'll be saved anyway. Ta, 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 ta. Raping women and, and killing and getting drunk. And, and, and they believe somebody convinced them that their religion was going to save them. It's a lie from hell. It's a lie. They're starving. They're dying of thirst. What I'm preaching tonight will not only satisfy your soul, it'll set you free. It'll deliver you from sin. Jesus didn't come to save you in your sin. He came to save us from our sin. Sin produces death. Sin produces condemnation. But there's a power that you can have tonight. Young people. Young people. Young girls. Is the world pulling on you? Is this okay? Do I need to shut up? Is, are you sure? I'm just about done. When I was a young man, there was anybody ever heard of Peggy Lee? Peggy Lee. Yeah, the older ones. When I was a kid, I, I was raised on a dairy farm. My grandpa would fix breakfast around 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And he'd always turn on the radio. He liked to listen to that pop music. And I'm just an old ignorant country boy. Hardly ever got to town. And I hear this beautiful, rich, and famous she was a blonde head. She was a bombshell. She was famous. She was a movie star. She had lots of money. Had a big, beautiful house on the West Coast. Now, girls, what more could you want? Boy, that would satisfy you, wouldn't you? If you had fame and fortune and all of the boys wanted you and you had a big, beautiful house on the West Coast watching the sun go down. Huh? Woo. But she would sing this song. It's the testimony of the world. And she would talk and she'd sing. And she talked about how when she was a little girl, her daddy picked her up out of the bed, ran out in the street, and the fire trucks was there, and the house burnt down. And she'd sing, is that all there is? Is that all there is? Is that all there is, my friend? Then let's keep dancing. Bring out the blues, and we'll have a ball. And I didn't think it was no ball. I was about 12, 13 years old, and I felt depression coming out of that radio. And I thought, my word. She's got all of this, and I'm just an ignorant country boy. What chance in this whole world do I have to ever have satisfaction and happiness and, of life? She's got it all, and she's singing a song like this. She said, I got a little older, and my daddy took me to the greatest show on earth, you know, the circus. And she said, I was sitting there watching the flying trapeze and the clowns and the elephants and all of that. And she said, I thought while I was sitting there that something is missing. And I was thinking, my goodness, I wish somebody would take me to the greatest show on earth. I ain't hardly ever been to town. I'd love to go to a circus. And, and she's got this kind of attitude. And, but later on I found out, oh, I wish I could have found her. I know what it is. I know what it was It was missing. It's Jesus because nothing in this world can satisfy. Young people, 
There's lots of voices pulling on you. Come on. Come on. Yeah, I'll make you happy. Oh, this old church. You just, you just need to try the world. Listen to the testimony of the world. Listen to it. She goes on to say that she, finally when she got a little older, she found the man of her dreams. She said, I remember the walks by the river and under the moonlight. And she found it, what she'd been longing for. She said, but she woke up one day and he was gone. And she said, I thought I would die. Anybody remember this song? I do. Well, you ain't as old as me. She said, I thought I would die, but I didn't. And she would talk. That's what she was telling. She said, I know what you're thinking. She's telling the whole world this in her song. I know what you're thinking. If that's the way you feel about life, why don't you just go ahead and end it all? She said, oh, no, my friend. I'm not ready for life's final and greatest disappointment. And if you're going to live for the world, that's what it's going to be. And from there, it's going to be hell. But she said, I feel like I'll get to the end of my life. And I'll look back over my life. And I'll say, is that all there is? Is that all there is? Is that all there is, my friend? Then let's keep dancing. Bring out the boo. We'll have a ball. And depression was coming out of that radio. I hated that song. But you know what? I found what satisfies. And I'm preaching about it tonight. And I hope I can reach some young person that thinks out there it's so glamorous. You're going to find yourself depressed and disappointed. <laughs> if you find riches and fame and beauty and all of that. You can put all of the nose studs you want to in there and, and, and make it blonde all you want to. And the dots and all of that kind of stuff. I'm going to tell you all it is. It's going to leave you with ashes in your mouth. <laughs> I choose to have that fountain of living water. I got it when I was about 17 years old. I turned the beautiful, <clears throat> sensuous girls away and started praying for a wife. And God sent me one 500 miles away from Tulsa, Oklahoma to my little town. And when I saw her, oh, I wish you could see a picture of her. I sent a picture of her to this pastor. It was love at first sight. And the reason is because God sent her to me. And she was praying for a husband. God put us together. God knows what you need. If you let God order your steps, he knows how to do it. If you want to do it, you're going to, you're going to wreck. You're going to mess up. We've been married 45 years. We ain't looking for nobody else. We're satisfied in many ways. Why? Because we found that fountain of living water. Why don't we stand tonight? I want to tell you in Proverbs chapter 31, the last chapter of Proverbs, it says something like this, give strong drink to those that are about to perish. Give, give uh, like liquor or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but it's, it's talking about real strong drink to those that are of, 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 of heavy heart that feels like they're at their wit's end. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. Let me read it. It's in Proverbs. It's in Proverbs, the last chapter of Proverbs, chapter 31. And six, give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. Now that's out of the Bible. 
Do you think that the Lord is telling us? Is anybody here down and out tonight? A little depressed? You feel like you've been really going through it? Well, according to the scripture here, when we dismiss tonight, is it saying you need to go down here to John's liquor store and get you something strong to drink? Oh, no. It's talking about a spiritual drink. The Bible talks about that wine is heavenly wine. Buy wine without money. What in the world is that? The Bible says not to get drunk. On the day of Pentecost, they thought they was all drunk. And they're not drunk like you think they are. They are drunk, but they're drunk from drinking that heavenly wine. Woo! And they're going to go home feeling really good. And they're going to f- go home encouraged. They're going to go home with a happy heart and a joy in their soul. That's what you need tonight is a big drink of Jesus. You need the Holy Ghost tonight. Hallelujah. Can the music come? Anybody want to pray tonight? Hallelujah. Jesus is not Jesus is not on no time clock. And I'm sorry, maybe I went a little too long. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus is trying to reach somebody, I believe, in this place tonight. He saw you. He knows where you're at. I don't. I don't know anybody in this building outside of your pastor and his wife. But Jesus knows you. And he knows how to reach you with the word of God. Why don't you get a big drink of Jesus tonight? He loves you. He loves you. Oh, Jesus, Jesus.